I just got done calling the number that is on your your email and it took me somewhere else. So I scanned the email and I found the correct number. So, oh. yes. So we're good now. But uh, we have got Marilyn Anderson with us today. She is fantastic. And uh, she has got a tremendous, tremendous book, Dishonor Thy Father. It's an exciting mystery thriller. It's a great novel about a brilliant female surgeon, an obsessed direct uh, detective, and the bizarre murder that sparks their passion. And it covers two continents and three decades while it explores the issues of sexism, racism, bigotry through a fresh lens. And, uh, we've got a great guest with us today so why did you uh write this book and how is this book different from some of the other murder mysteries that are out there my friend well the book is actually very special because it delves into some cultures that a lot of people aren't familiar with it was actually inspired by the issue of honor killing and that's a very serious issue uh, because it takes place in some fundamentalist Muslim countries. And, of course, many people are against it, but it happens sometimes not only there, but also there have been cases of it in the United States that have just been terrible. Yes. Um, yes, we have. Uh, we, we, I have got to get you on with IQ Al Rizzoli some afternoon because uh, he would love this topic. He talks about this constantly about some of the different things that are going on in the uh, in the muslim community by the way get the uh, get information at dishonorthyfather.com you can also find dishonorthyfather.us which will take you directly to the book and you can pick the book up now you mentioned it was inspired by the real issue of honor killings um for for those of us in the audience that don't know what that means tell us about what an honor killing is well um as I said, it's not all Muslims, in fact, very few, but if they're fundamentalist Muslims, a father or a husband uh, can kill his wife or daughter. Uh, and the reason is considered um, if the wife or daughter has been immodest or unchaste, uh, then it shames the family, supposedly. So yep. in some cases, if a girl just holds a boy's hand or if she kisses a boy or some of them that have taken place in the States have been a case where a couple of uh, young daughters were actually um, just going online and using social media. And unfortunately, they were killed by their father, which is a horrible story. So what we decided to do was take the uh, idea of an attempted honor killing and instead of uh, so telling a real story, we fashioned a, a murder mystery around it so that it could not only be an interesting story that weaves with twists and turns and an interesting detective and a fascinating female doctor, but it also can help bring awareness to the issue. We have got a tremendous guest with us today. She joins us live here in a broadcast. Check out DishonorThyFather.com for more information. Now, uh, how did you decide to write this book? Well, what happened is uh, my writing partner actually saw an article about an honor killing, and he showed it to me. And that's when, because we're writers, we decided to fashion a story. And the interesting thing is we write for a lot of television and film. So our first thought was to turn it into a movie script. 
so we came up with a really thrilling story that we were going to write uh, for a film. But of course, films take a lot of time to get made and they also cost a lot of money. And so after we came up with this wonderful story, we decided instead of uh, writing the film right away, that maybe we should turn it into a novel. And at that point, we uh, got together with another uh, author who had written a lot of novels. Uh, my writing partner, Richard, and I mostly wrote um, screenplays and TV shows. So we teamed up with this other guy who was used to writing novels, and the three of us um, wrote it together, which in itself is an interesting and unique story. Awesome. Awesome. We have got a uh, great guest with us today. MJ Richards joins us here on the broadcast. Her and Mike Robinson put together Dishonor by Father, and you can get more information on Amazon. And uh, you can also buy the, the book directly at DishonorThyFather.us, uh, which, by the way, that is a tremendous marketing idea. <laughs> To have a link that goes directly to to Amazon to buy the book, I, I whoever came up with that is fantastic. I am glad that you you guys are are, are doing that. Now, um, you've written with co-authors before. Uh, tell us a little bit about this process, how this works. Well, the process for the novel was a little different. Was a, was a little different. Um, as I said, when I write with my partner, uh, Richard, we write screenplays, but we always, what's called break the story first. We figure out where the story is, what the beginning, the middle, the end, everything that happens, and we do it with an outline. So we had the outline for this book. And when we got together with uh, Mike Robinson, um, we of course told him what the story was and gave him the outline. But the difference between a film script and a novel is that a novel goes much deeper it delves more into the thoughts and the personalities of the main characters so what we would do is he would uh we'd send him off with all the information for a chapter and he'd go off and write the first draft of a chapter then we would look at it we'd make additions or revisions and discuss what was in the next sequence of events and in the process, of course, a lot of new things come up, a lot of new characters, and as I said, a novel can go much deeper and go into a lot more subplots than if, if the movie script is done, because there you have to tell a story very quickly and it gets done in 90 minutes or two hours, where with a novel, people don't always read a novel. In fact, often don't read a novel in one sitting, so you can go off and different directions and go deeper into each of the characters stories and other uh, parts of their lives mj richards with us today she joins us live here in a broadcast now you've written a lot of comedy for television film you've written a lot of humorous books why suddenly write a mystery thriller <laughs> well at, at heart and first and foremost i'm a storyteller and i love great stories so um it's, it's funny, and my name is really Marilyn Anderson. M.J. Richards is actually the pen name yes. for me, Marilyn J. Anderson, and my partner, uh, my writing partner, Richard Rosner. So that's how we came up with M.J. for me and Richards for my partner, Richard. But I have written not only for comedies like Murphy Brown, and I wrote on a show with Carol Burnett and Richard Kind and Jeremy Piven, 
but I also wrote three episodes of Friday the 13th, the series. So that, wow. of course, is, <laughs> that's a, a thriller as well. But, um, and that's the TV series, Friday the 13th, is actually very different from the three movies of Friday the 13th. But I just love telling a good story. And in some ways, I think thrillers are close to comedies because they both have that edginess, you know, and they both have twists and turns and fun. Although the fun of a thriller is certainly different than the fun of a comedy. But at heart, I'm just a storyteller and I love creating great stories and great characters. That's awesome. So uh, where, where can we get the book and uh, get involved with what you're doing and, and, and everything else, my friend? Well, the book, Dishonor Thy Father, is, of course, available on Amazon, and it's also on at other retailers. It's at Barnes & Noble. It's at other bookstores. We love when people buy it, buy it from Amazon because we, I can always tell when the books are bought, which is fun. But it's an e-book, and it's also in um, a paperback. It's got a great cover, which I think is exciting, just like the interior is. And uh, as you mentioned, DishonorThyFather.us takes you directly to the Amazon link. Or you can go DishonorThyFather.com, which is our website, which has links to both Amazon and Barnes and & Noble. So um, they can get it at either of those places, and uh, we hope they do. And then they can let us know what they think by emailing us through DishonorThyFather.com. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, you are just amazing, my friend. And uh, I'm glad we were able to do this today. And I look forward to uh, chatting with you down the road. I uh, definitely, definitely love this book. And I'm glad we were able to make some time today. Thanks for coming on the program, my friend. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was great to talk with you, James. Definitely. Well, we will talk to you soon. Have yourself a wonderful day, my friend. You too. Appreciate it. There she goes, Marilyn Anderson. And uh, we are going to take a brief time out. When we come back, we have got more coming up on the other side. More on the world famous. Cheeky Check Wire Radio Broadcaster in just a few moments. If you're over the age of 50 and considering buying an annuity in the next 60 days, I have some important news for you. Don't buy an annuity until you understand the pros and cons of annuities. A free book to help you maximize your retirement income from television host and three-time author Josh Melberg has been released. This book reveals little-known truths about annuity strategies in simple-to-understand terms. Grab a pen right now because we are about to offer you this free book that unlocks the five little-known secrets we believe baby boomers and seniors should know before buying an annuity. Call 800-378-8005 now and you'll receive a free copy of Josh Milberg's book, Next Gen Annuity Strategies Revealed. As a bonus, we'll also send you a copy of The Number One Mistakes Retirees Are Making With Their Investments Today and a free DVD on how you can get up to 33% more income in retirement. Call 800-378-8005. That's 800-378-8005. Employees of J.D. Melberg Financial have the appropriate licenses for the products they offer. Moving can be one of the most stressful things you'll ever do. And at Moving APT, we specialize in taking the stress and strain out of your move. Whether you have a one-bedroom apartment or a 10-bedroom mansion, you can feel safe and confident that Moving APT will get the job done. On time, hassle-free, and at the guaranteed lowest price. That's right, we will meet or beat any quote. That's our price match guarantee. At Moving APT, we never sacrifice quality or service. 
Licensed, bonded, and insured, you always get the best price. So if you're planning an out-of-state move within the next 30 to 60 days and you need a full-service moving company, you owe it to yourself to give us a call. We do it all, packing all your belongings, moving and unpacking. Leave the stress and strain behind and call Moving APT, America's number one interstate movers, now. For a free quote, give us a call. 800-209-9350. 800-209-9350. 800-209-9350. Back to the Jiggy Jaguar Show on the network. We're going to jump right back into it and go to our next guest. hoping that susan is there hello susan how are you my friend it's james logan you call for your radio interview how are you hi james i'm great how are you today pretty good actually i'm glad that we uh we've we've got you on the program here now uh susan but before we get into the uh get into the topic here with you tell us a little bit about your uh your background and, and everything that you're involved in my friend Okay, well, um, originally I'm from Wisconsin, so I came from a very small farm town of 2,000 people, and uh, I had a dream of being a model, and so I found my way, but it wasn't easy because I didn't have a really wonderful roadmap. There was nothing out there for me to find my way, but I went to a modeling school in Madison, and then uh, from there I went to Florida, from Florida, a school in Florida, I went to a convention in New York, and Wilhelmina uh, was there, and uh, she picked me up as a model for her agency, and then the fun began. So um, it wasn't easy in the beginning starting, but I have had a great career as a model. Um, I've transformed myself and reinvented myself many times. Uh, From the modeling career, I studied acting in New York with the Bill Esper studio. My first movie was Tootsie. Um, That's awesome. Then I got the acting bug, and, you know, I had been back and forth to Europe for my modeling career. Every six weeks, I had an apartment in in, uh, Paris, and I also had one in New York. And I would go back and forth because Givenchy had chosen me as his fit model. And so I would always go there to do the collections and then come back to New York to do the collections. But the acting bug did get me. And uh, I studied for two years in New York. And then after I did Tootsie, I did um, uh, a stint with Woody Allen and Zellig and a couple soap operas, and then I decided I'd better go off to California for my fame and fortune. <laughs> and uh, that wasn't so easy either, although I, I have a lot of credits in the movie business, and um, most recently I wrote, produced, and starred in my own short film that has been in the largest film festivals in L.A., and the one most recent uh, in Las Vegas at the end of December, I won the Best Actress for uh, a short film for The Chains That Bind, which was the film I wrote. So it, it's been a really wonderful journey uh, for a little small farm town girl making it through the way to all of these wonderful accomplishments. And it's been great. That's awesome. That's fantastic. You have uh, you have definitely put a uh, put a tremendous, uh, I guess, stamp out there for uh, for for what you're doing. So uh, so 
this book, Modeling Success, uh, tell us a little bit about the writing process for this book. Well, that was pretty interesting. It's a book that I have always wanted to write, but I never had the time. Um, I do a lot of seminars, and I also help a lot of young girls. You know, their parents will come to me uh, because I produce fashion shows for high schools and also fundraisers for cancer societies. And I, I usually, awesome. when I'm producing these shows with professional models, the parents in the audience will come up and talk to me and say, my daughter wants to be a model. And my answer is, what girl doesn't want to be a model? <laughs> <laughs> so, That's right. <laughs> uh, you know, if you, if you were to put 100 girls in a room, uh, teens, in a room and you would ask them what they want to be when they grow up and even some of the preteens they would all say I want to be a model so the ones that really have um, you know the right attributes you know the right height the right look um, the right measurement I work with them privately and I actually package them put them together and get them into fashion week in LA for experience and mentor them and that's uh, you know been a big part of giving back but you know when COVID hit I thought why am I watching TV and you know what's going to happen next this is going to go on forever now is my opportunity I'm going to try to write this book and put all my knowledge and all my expertise into it to pass it along to the kids that have a dream just like I had a dream so um, I got up every morning, sat in the same place, and started to do an outline. And I would work a couple hours, and then I'd stop. And then the next day, I would go a couple hours. And oh my goodness, pretty soon, I not only had the outline, but I had the chapters going. And I had finished this three chapters, four chapters. And then I said, you know, maybe I better find somebody, because I was writing everything out by hand, you know. Uh, which I'm left-handed, so it's just sort of the way my brain works. I mean, I have a computer and everything, but I was writing yeah. everything out by hand. But I'd better find somebody who can actually put this in manuscript form. So I started calling around to a lot of friends, and um, I found a wonderful girl to work with, Susie Augustine, and um, she's written several books herself. And so she said that she would do the editing process and put it into the manuscript form. And um, so I did all the writing and it went quickly. You know, when you have lived your career and you've taught your career and you've produced fashion shows for your career and you were a top model in New York and you have all this, you just have the knowledge. It just flows out of you. And, um, the title of my book is Modeling Success. You have the question, I have the answer. And that's pretty much what has happened to me along my career. People keep asking me, how, did, how can my daughter get into modeling? Is, 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 are eating disorders really a part of modeling? Uh, how do I get an agent? One question after another. So what I did was I compiled all of the questions that I could think of that parents or students of mine had asked. And then I also went back to some of my past students and I asked them to, and parents to give me some question answers. And um, 
and then I did the answers and, and wrote the answers to everything, and that's all in my book. And I think really, you know, all the information is there. The chapters start out with a question. Uh, for, you know, for instance, here, let me just open my book real quick, and I can just, uh, finding an agent. How does a model find an agent to represent them? This question is one I get asked over and over. There are many different avenues to follow to make this happen, but it isn't that easy to get an agent. Then the chapter begins, and it tells you all the steps to go through finding an agent. Then there's a section on questions and answers that I give all, and the story comes out through the questions and answers. And then there is also a Suzanne Speaks with tips so each chapter kind of goes along like that, and that's the format of the book. So, it, you know, I, I thought of the format. That was mine. You know, the writing is mine. Um, Susie helped me with the editing. I had a designer. I had an idea of how I wanted to do the cover, which are all little small pictures of me from my career days on the front cover of the book. Um, you know, one of my biggest, successes was that I was uh, Givenchy's muse. Um, Monsieur Givenchy, the house of Givenchy in Paris, he passed a couple years ago, and so now it's, it's run by a corporate company. But what an experience that was. I mean, um, you know, he would drape the fabrics on me, and, and they were all muslin, and you'd stand there for hours, and, um, you know, he I was hand-picked out of, I don't know, there must have been 150 models that he wanted to see in New York, and he wanted to select a few models from New York to go to Paris for the collection. So I got myself really decked out for this. I had wanted to go to Europe, but I was afraid, like I didn't speak the language, and I had every excuse in the book. So I decided, okay, this is it. If, if I get chosen, I'm going to go to Europe. Because a lot of the other girls that had gone to Europe and New York, they had these wonderful tear sheets in their book, and it was really hard to compete with them. There's so many more magazines in Europe than there are in the United States. So I walked into that audition, and they hold it much different, the Parisians and the people from Milan. They have everybody show up at once. And then they open the door, they come out, and they look over the sea of models, and they go, you, 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 stay. The rest of you go. And it's just that blunt. Uh, here in the United States, you know, they have auditions, and they look at your book, and they're, uh, you know, they'll look at each and every one of you that they've called in. Um, but in Europe, this is the way they do it for all the fashion shows and everything. So that's, that's the way you do it. And I pointed at myself because... I thought he pointed at me, but I wasn't sure. And I pointed at me, and I said, do you mean me? And he goes, oui, 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 oui. And I said, oh, my goodness, that's the first uh, French words I've ever learned. <laughs> so off to Paris I went, and I opened the show and closed the show for him. And so that was that was a great honor. And, uh, you know, of course, he's in every fashion history book and so well-known. It was a pleasure working with him. So that's my writing process. It was a labor of love that just sailed, and it was very easy to do for me. Well, I'll tell you, the uh, the book is amazing. 
uh, what, what's been some feedback that you've gotten on this from folks that have read the book, picked the book up, things like this? Okay, so, you know, at this point, there have only been a handful of people who have actually read the book. Um, and the reason for that is, is that it is just launching. So my launch date is, it's up on Amazon now, but my launch date for bestseller is February 23rd okay. from 7 a.m. to noon. Um, and that, anybody who buys a book on February 23rd from 7 a.m. 7 a.m. to noon helps the book become a bestseller, a number one bestseller, which I'm hoping that happens. So um, I've had uh, some agents read my book and um, a very large agent here in LA, her name is Krista Clayman. She is the director of runway for LA Models. LA Models is the largest uh, agency here in Los Angeles, which is where I live. Um, I, I moved from New York, I spent 13, uh, maybe 14 years in New York, and then I've lived in L.A. for many, many years now. But she writes, um, and I actually put it on the back of my book, she says, and I'll read it to you, she says, Suzanne Bonshock is the real deal, an accomplished model, actress, and producer with an incredible, impeccable reputation. She is a loving friend and an inspiration to all that know her. Suzanne shares her extensive knowledge and insight into the world of modeling, offering an honest, kind, and transparent viewpoint delivered in a fun and generous manner. This book is a must-have. So that's pretty good right there. <laughs> I was pretty uh, pretty pleased with that review. So, yes. Um, yes. Yeah. That is that is tremendous. We have got a uh, great guest with us today. She joins us live here on our big broadcast. And uh, Susan, this this book has got a a plethora of information. How did you organize all this? You know, it just all came out of my mind. I mean, I like I said, I have been a model for years, um, and then a lifestyle model in for years in California and then a fashion show producer I train models um, during COVID uh, it sort of dropped in my lap I've never ever trained models unless I have been present with them in the studio to train them how to walk and how to do print and then organize their photo shoots but all of a sudden I had all of these people who they know me over the years and they were calling me and they were saying there's their modeling schools were closed down and they wanted to know if I would do zoom classes. So, I mean, on, you know, Saturday I have 10 people Wednesday, I have huge zoom classes, got 40 people. I mean, it's just sort of gone like that. So I, the information that I have is all through the years. It's just knowledge of knowing people, knowing photographers, and knowing agents. I, for me, it's all I have to do for a girl is pick up the phone and call an agent and say, I found this girl. I think she's fantastic. She's model material. I've worked with her a little bit. Would you see her? You know, this is the thing. When 
when you've been in the business a long time, it doesn't really matter what business, whether it's the acting business, the modeling business, the insurance business, it really doesn't matter. You, you know, it's all about relationships. And once you've established those relationships and people respect you, uh, it really, all it takes is a telephone call to open a door for somebody. So uh, the knowledge is, to organize it, I basically, when I sat down to organize this, I did chapters, and uh, which was the original question. Sorry, I went a little off there. But, you know, what are the different types of modeling? Uh, so there are many different types of modeling, runway modeling, print modeling, tea room modeling, charity fashion shows, private shows for designers and clients. Um, what about overseas modeling? Uh, I have a chapter on that, finding an agent. Uh, there are all different ways to find an agent. I go into depth in that. Photos, bed cards, portfolios, those are all tools of the trade, things that you need. Uh, everybody has tools of the trade that they have to have. Some people have to have an office. Some people have to have computers. Models need pictures in their portfolio that represent them for different things that they, they could actually do. Some girls are good in bathing suits and some are not. If they're not good in bathing suits, you don't have that in your portfolio. I, for instance, you know, I'm, I'm 5'10", and um, I have very fair skin. I was never good for bathing suit modeling. I, you know, my proportions were a little bit off. You know, I was very long-waisted. I had a small bust line. Um, I wasn't curvy enough, but I was great for couture, for, you know, couture designers. I was like the perfect size. Um, so you have to kind of pigeonhole what type of model you are and brand yourself and your Z card. A Z card is uh, another tool of the trade that a model needs with a picture on the front and four pictures on the back. Um, and then I also have a chapter on health and fitness, fashion week. Um, yeah, so also on uh, Blam Blam, I call this chapter. It's all about your skin and how to take care of it, your hair, your makeup, um, the manicure, pedicure, Botox, fillers. Um, this is also a great book for parents who are trying to guide their children who are you know, nine, 10 years old. And I have a lot of students like that, that I do private online uh, on FaceTime. And they're nine, 10, 11, 12. They have this dream. They need to learn how to walk. They need to learn how to pose in front of the camera. We have a social media thing that we're all doing together right now so that they can bring up their social media followers because that's, that's so relevant today if you don't have that. That's something I didn't have to do when I was modeling. But with technology the way it is, the more followers you have, the more relevant and more um, meaningful you are to an agent. So, uh, yeah, so I just, you know, it's all just knowledge that I have had and experienced, and I just put it to paper. That's incredible. That's incredible. Now, we we always hear and th th this is this is the thing that that you brought up earlier, you know, 
we, we always hear how every little girl wants to be a model. <laughs> yeah. And it is, it is, is that more popular, less popular than it used to be? Or is that something that will never go out of style? As long as somebody can dream, it will never go out of style. Um, to dream to be an actress, to dream to be on TV, to dream to be on the cover of a magazine, to dream to be a model and be beautiful and, and have pictures taken of you and be in an ad campaign, it will never go out of style. Um, also, you, can, you, you know this from some of the reality shows that are on TV. You know, Heidi Klum is a, a perfect example and a household name. A girl who came from Germany, who modeled in New York, and then, you know, modeling doesn't last forever. It's, it's unless you're Tom Brady, you know, who, who football isn't supposed to last forever either. But he's kind of proving <laughs> that long. You know? yes. um, but some of these, and so is his wife, Giselle Bundchen. Uh, you know, Tom Brady's married to Giselle Bundchen. Uh, her net worth is more worth more than his. And she's a model. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's, you know how much football players get paid, but she's, as a model, she has accumulated and is worth more. So that's another thing that's also, um, you know, people look at the modeling industry or the acting industry and they owe big bucks. You know, if you make it, you make a lot of money. And it's yes. very true. Uh, Heidi Klum, um, you know, when she was getting older, uh, she went into doing uh, Project Runway and created that show. And now she, well, I don't know if she was one of the producers on that. Now she and Tim Gunn have gone off and they've got their own show on Amazon, which is another model show. Yeah. Um, every time you turn around, there are model shows or model reality shows uh, on TV. Uh, it's it's very very popular. It will because it's it, an interesting life. You you don't work every day, but when you do work, you make maybe in LA the price right now in LA for a day of print is anywhere from three to five thousand dollars. Yes. In New York, it's way more than that. In New York, the rates are like. Three to four hundred dollars an hour with a two-hour minimum. That, Holy what that smokes. means is you are making before you leave your house. You are guaranteed that you will make eight hundred dollars, even if you only work for a half hour. <laughs> That's not bad work if you can get it. Uh, and, and if you have the right attributes, you're tall enough. You have the right bone structure and the right look. And, and that cha has changed over the years. Um, you know, when I was modeling in the 70s, 80s, and into the 90s, um, the blonde, you know, the Cheryl Teague, the blonde look, and my look, I'm blonde, yeah. uh, uh, of Nordic background, high cheekbones, that was really in. And there were very few black girls that really worked. In fact, yeah. Givenchy who, you know, discovered me and took me to Paris, he was the first to have an all-black cabine, and a cabine was girls that were always, 
there and when he would when he decided that he wanted to design he would have them you know he would work with them and drape the fabrics and do you know do everything and they were always in all of his shows so it was a permanent job that's what it's called is the cabine in the house of Givenchy so um but there were very few black girls now they want you to be um Ethnically ambiguous is the word. Yes. If you're ethnic, yes. Yes. <laughs> so they want the cult. Our culture has changed. You know where, you know, people are marrying different people, and we're getting you know different you know different looks, light skin, you know, some some Asian, Eurasian looking people, and that that is the the drive right now and the hispanic market is way on the rise as well especially in the singing singing category so things have changed and the blonde blue-eyed green-eyed girl is not the it anymore you know so we have you know the industry has changed in in that aspect um of course the you know, when I was modeling uh, in New York, oh, it was like 150 to 200 dollars an hour. Well, that you know, the prices have gone way beyond that. Yes. Uh, now and um, the campaigns, even the campaigns, you know, uh, a girl like Cheryl T who did um, Cover Girl campaign. Uh, her campaign. Uh, she made a lot of money back in the day, but the, that kind of campaign today, what they do is they they find the girl that they want, who also has a lot of social media following, because that's a built-in following for a cover girl, and they decide to contract her for about five years, and the amount of money that has to be paid to that model is in the millions. And you're probably saying, well, why? Why don't they just go get an unknown girl who has a lot of followers and and just book her? Well, if you have a lot of followers and you have the right look and the right face and the right skin and everything else, um, they're willing to pay the, pay the money, the millions of dollars. And what they do, if you do cover girl, it's going to take you off the market in five years because you're overexposed. So they expose you to every commercial, every, you know, they expose you not only in this country, but in Europe and in Asia, everywhere that their product is sold. And of course, these products are sold everywhere, not just in the United States. So your image, you're so associated with a cover girl campaign that when the five years are up, there isn't anybody who wants to use your image because you're too associated with that particular product. Yes. So yes. If, yeah. So if you're lucky enough to get one of those campaigns, a Revlon campaign, a Lancome campaign, you know, the cosmetics, uh, you're going to make be set for life. You don't have to worry about ever working again. Well... We have got a great guest with us today. Uh, she joins us live here in her broadcast. Susan is with us. She's got modeling success. We're going to be getting to Sandra Lee here in just a few moments as well. And uh, I guess before we, we wrap up here with you, Susan, how do people get your, uh, get your book and get involved with you and, and everything else? 
Okay, so um, my book is on Amazon right now, so you could order it now on Amazon, or if you want to wait until February 23rd, which was my bestseller campaign day, to buy it between 7 a.m. and 12 noon Pacific Standard Time, you may do that. Um, you can find me on Instagram at S Shack. So it's S S C H A A C K 07. I also, my website, which is an extensive website, but you'll have a lot of fun looking at the fashion shows I produce and the various other pictures and things that are loaded up there on myself and other models. And that's www.suzannevonshock.com. Uh, Suzanne is S-U-Z-A-N-N-E, V-O-N-S-C-H-A-A-C-K.com. Um, and that's how you would find me. Fantastic. Uh, you could, yes, you could feel free to give me a call as well if you would like uh, to book any private uh, coaching classes. Um, that number is 818-324-3673. Fantastic. Well, uh, I appreciate you making time for us today. Thanks for coming on and chatting with us, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Suzanne. Okay. Thank you so much, James. It's been my pleasure. Appreciate it, my friend. Thanks for taking as much time as you did today, my friend, and uh, looking uh, forward to chatting absolutely. with you soon. Ha have yourself a wonderful day, okay. my friend. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye -bye. There she goes, uh, Suzanne. And uh, we are going to do this. We are going to go to our next guest, who is going to join us here on the old telephone. Sandra Lee. Sandra, can you hear us, my friend? I certainly can. How are you? <laughs> How are you? Uh, there well, is. There I'll is. Tell you, tomorrow, tomorrow, let's start. <laughs> and I'm giving up negativity for <laughs> well, well. Because, you know, there's so much to cry about and complain about and moan about and be disappointed over and be angry over. And guess what? I'm not going there. I'm just not going there. That is so awesome. watch and just see what magic I do trying to be positive in this current environment <laughs> well you are uh you've hit that on the head we've got uh the the fantastic sandra lee with us today she joins us live here on our big program and uh so so sandra um something that is uh going on is uh but besides all the uh all the shenanigans that are uh happening all over the country with 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 all the uh the various things uh with you know this this weird impeachment trial and, and all these other weird things um this this story of joe biden and his uh you know going after all the different uh gun owners and some, some some of these different things that uh that 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 biden has got planned here what what, what, what do you make of uh this this gun control plan that uh, joe biden has laid out here it's very dangerous it's very dangerous you know you can make a, a huge case for the terrible things that happen 
with guns, and, and bad things do happen with guns. But the important thing is that you cannot weaken a society to such a degree that they cannot stand up and fight against an overpowering government. Yes. And I do not approve of a government that has all power against its people. You know, I look at Iran and I see those poor people. Those people do not love that government. And, you know, the government will tell you, oh, they love us. They love us just fine. Venezuela will tell you they love us just they're crazy about us. And that's not the truth. Now, the positive thing that I'm going to interject here is that if you give power to the people, you can trust the people for the most part to do the right thing with that power. But you cannot disempower the people. That's very, very dangerous. So I'm very much against this whole movement of taking guns away from the public. We have got saying you don't want go, to go, go. No, 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 no. Go, go ahead, my friend. Go. I wouldn't know what to do with it. But I'd be very grateful if my son had one or my boyfriend had one, or my girlfriend, <laughs> the cop, had one. Some women are real well-trained and know how to handle a gun. Me, i got to get a manicure. That's what I'm good for. I'm a real girly girl, you know. But I've actually thought about going and getting a gun and learning how to use it because this culture is changing so, you know. And yes. there are days when I don't feel so positive and safe, but I'm trying real hard to use that uh, let's not be too negative and i'm assuming <laughs> that this thing with trying to get rid of people's guns is not going to work the public is not going to go for it well one of the things that everybody keeps talking about which in a roundabout way i i i kind of agree with but the thing is is that if if, if you do this you, you do this uh, you do part of this you're going to end up doing all of it and that's that's not what i want but a, a lot of people are like well they had an assault weapons ban before and i'm like well yeah they did but it expired <laughs> so i'm not real sure why we're gonna go back to that if if it was so important and it and it, and it did work but at, at the same time why did it expire and why do but we do need to go back to it <laughs> Do you know how to shoot a gun? Are you a gun owner? No, but I have I have thought about it on on several occasions. But I'm kind of crazy, and uh, there's really no no reason to give me a gun. But well, I think I do know a lot of people that have guns, and they're well trained, and they know what the heck they're doing. You got to be well trained. But I am noticing truly that a lot of people who never ever thought that they would consider that owning a gun are now starting to think about it so we're, we're living in a country that we don't feel totally safe in and a lot of it is because we don't trust the government and um, you know you could say that on both sides of the aisle we have a lot of work to do to get us back to communicating in positive ways and to get us to a healthier culture this is a pretty contentious culture that we're living in, and it's pretty disturbing. But no matter how well the, the government is working, I think people should have a right 
to defend themselves. They should never be in a situation where they're defenseless. I completely that's agree with you on that. It yeah, it is that's asking for trouble. It is Sandra Lee. She's with us today here on our big broadcast. Each and every week we talk with Sandra Lee about some of the different issues of the day. Now, you being an education person, uh, former teacher, all, all, all these different things, what do you make of uh, this, this thing that Biden wants to sign an executive order to return the oath of faith-based and neighborhood partnerships? What, what 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 do you make of this? Because you know Biden does this gun thing, and I'm like, oh good lord, we don't need this. And then he signs this, and I'm like, what? <laughs> That's a good thing. <laughs> well, what is he trying to accomplish with that? Well, see, that's the thing. He he wants to sign an, an executive order returning an office of faith-based and neighborhood partnerships to the White House, and he's he's wanting it to become a uh, a, a Biden presidency restoration combined transformation effort. I I, I guess is is what's uh, what's what's being talked about here. He basically wants to be a peacemaker in America's, in a, you know, the religious wars, basically. Well, he does talk a good game in that regard, but then he, his behavior does not demonstrate that good faith. You know, he talks a lot about making peace between the parties and so on and so forth, but the unilateral action is endless. He's going to do what he's going to do. He's not really going to pay attention to the other side of the issue or the other side of the fence. So it's all talk, you know. It's all talk. It amounts to nothing. And uh, I'm sort of um, not feeling real good about Democrat government at the moment. Gavin in California has disappointed me. And yes. He's disappointed, he's disappointed a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, de Blasio in New York City has disappointed me. And, um, you know, uh, our Governor Como has disappointed me. And it, it's kind of scary to see what's happening in all these Democrat places. But what's positive is when you look at what's happening in all the Republican places, they're really thriving. You know, for the most part, these states are in good shape. They're in good financial shape. Their, their government is pretty pleasant. People are quite happy living there. There's not all this trouble with the schools. You know, I, you've got to give some credit to those red states. That's something positive that, that I can say that is going on. It's consistent across the country. They're in better shape financially, emotionally, spiritually, and with their respect for government. So something something's pretty obvious there you've got to take a look at what's working and what isn't yes yes sandra lee with us today she joins us live here in a broadcast and as we wrap up here with you my friend um where can we get your books when can we see the television show you're going to be involved in all these various oh, things oh i just wish to remember that well book one is dear donald letters from a loving deplorable and you know what it's nostalgic I love that man. I love that man. And that love is just slipping out of that book. 
along with the love That's of God. That's awesome. So I, when I read it, it's pleasant memories. The second book is Dear Donald, Four More Years. And when I published it, and then, of course, he did not win. Can you imagine how I felt about that? <laughs> you, can't get, you can't get the book on Amazon, but you can get it on Barnes & Noble. But you know what? I'm redeemed because guess he's got four more years. Dear Donald, because did you see what happened in Florida this week? Oh, yes. Yes. They <laughs> that man with love. They, they're still on the street showing him love and affection and approval. And he's even lost weight, God bless him. I can't lose enough. But that man lost <laughs> weight. He's, he's feeling good. And I'm eating my weight right into oblivion. But I'm going to work real hard on it during Lent. I am giving up sugar. And I am giving up negativity. Yes, and yes. You, I'm you, you, pushing you, my you. third book, which is um, Dear Donald, A Rainbow in a Winter Sky. And my new TV show is called Silver Lining. And as you well know, my friend, because you're so positive, James Lowe, my show is going to be positive. I don't know how I'm going to do that in a world that disappoints me frequently. But I'm going to look for what's working. And one of the things that's working is I'm having a great time talking to you every Tuesday. (laughs) That is awesome. That's fantastic. Now, um, one more thing before before we let you go. Um, What what did you think of this? uh, Like I said, you 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 brought it up. This this. Parade, basically, that he attended on President's Day. People just love the crap out of Donald. You know, didn't that just amaze you? I mean, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. And these people are not going to turn their backs on Donald Trump. The man did a lot of remarkable things that are sadly being undone at the moment. But some of them will not be able to be undone because there's a lot of resistance against some of this undoing of policies that were so good for the people. And the people have not forgotten what he did. They're never going to forget it. And one way or another, they're going to reward him for it. I don't know if he'll run again for president, but he'll certainly help everybody who's going to run. He's going to be good for the Republican Party. Where Trump is probably going to run for a, a very important position, and we're, we've not seen the last of the Trumps, nor do we want to. <laughs> and nor do we want to. We do not want to see the last of them. They made us feel good, and they made us feel hopeful and positive, and so many of us believe in them. And I am holding my breath, hoping that this new administration uh, is careful, is careful not to undo the good things that work. Be careful about their moves because they'll lose a lot of seats in the Senate. They'll lose a lot of power very quickly. I think already many, many Democrats are sorry that they didn't see what was coming. They didn't see what was coming. Tons of jobs being lost, the whole oil industry, gas industry being threatened. A lot of bad stuff going on. And the good news is that many, many of those who voted against Trump are now wishing, wishing that they hadn't. Well, that's where I think we'll leave it today. Sandra Lee, as always, thank you, my friend. And uh, 
I look forward to chatting with you next week. Thank you, my friend. My pleasure. You have a good week. Appreciate it. You too. There she goes, Sandra Lee. And uh, that wraps it up here from this broadcast. And uh, we will definitely see you next time here on our big broadcast, Coast to Coast and Boda Boda. Boda.